Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Perth, Australia with my new friend Amanda Kendall of notaballerina.com. Amanda was born in Perth, returned to start a family, and loves the incredible beaches throughout the city. In this episode, Amanda and I talk about attending the Fringe Festival, seeing quokkas on Rottnest Island, and exploring Kings Park. Hear about these three amazing experiences, plus so much more. If you know someone who wants to visit Australia, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Perth. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lee. It's great to be here. Looking forward to chatting. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Perth, Australia. A lot of travelers, they, they, they dream of going to Australia. I know like it was something that had been on my like, bucket list for many, many years. But generally, you know, it's focused on Sydney or maybe even Melbourne or, some, or the Great Barrier Reef. Perth doesn't give a lot of love when people are thinking about Australia, right? So can you tell us about like what's your connection to the city? And then we'll like really want to be able to learn about all these like fun things to do while we're there. Absolutely. So I was born in Perth and I have lived nearly all my life in it. I left for about six years and returned because it's actually a fabulous place to live. It is definitely not the first spot that tourists generally get to when they're coming to Australia. And it's really, really far away from everywhere, which is kind of one of the reasons. But because of its isolation, I think that's one of the one of the ways that makes it a fabulous place to visit. We have like the best beaches all up and down the coast. We're on the, you know, right on the west coast of Australia. So you can go for miles and miles in any direction and up and down and there's just beautiful beaches. We have the best weather. It's an incredible place. But because it's a bit further away, it's never overrun. I always say that Perth would be over-touristed if it was, I don't know, in the location of Paris or something because it's perfect, but it's just so far. So it's, a, you know, it's a really good um bit of a different place to visit. So people will come to Sydney, they might even go to Uluru in the centre, but they don't often come to the West Coast until their second or third trip to Australia. But uh, obviously, I love it and I live here and I would really encourage people to do so because it's a really cool place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So for people that aren't necessarily familiar, if you want to think of like the United States, Sydney would be maybe like in South Carolina, right? And Melbourne would probably be like Louisiana, like Texas border, and Perth would be more like San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I always think of Perth as San Diego, actually, not just geographically kind of similar, but also they're quite similar cities and similar outlook and similar weather. So, yeah, it's the San Diego of, of Australia, I would say. Oh, that sounds pretty dreamy. You're speaking to a California boy, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great spot. Yeah. Right on. So if you had to describe like the city or the people in just one or two words, how would you do that? 
Well, firstly, I would definitely, <laughs> I've said it already, I would say isolated because even on Wikipedia, it often says Perth is the most isolated city in the world. It's like a three-hour flight to another city, three and a half hours. So it's crazy isolated, but it's laid back, it's sunny, it's pretty friendly. It's a city that doesn't feel like a big, busy city, even though we've got two million people, but it doesn't feel ever big and busy. Oh, that's fantastic. So as far as like the weather throughout the year, you mentioned it's more like that temperate climate, kind of like San Diego. It is, but it gets really hot in our summer. So we've just actually had a really nasty heat wave in the last summer where it's kind of been over in Fahrenheit over the century mark for weeks at a time, which is not that pleasant. So January, February, not necessarily the best time to come, especially if you don't like hot weather. Sometimes it's pleasant, but sometimes it can get really hot. But really the the spring and the autumn or the fall are the best times where it's more reliably, it's not cold, it doesn't rain much, it's sunny. It's um, And the springtime when the wildflowers are out, that's a kind of a traditionally perfect time to visit tourist-wise. Oh, that sounds amazing. Now, you know, we were talking about before we started recording that both of us have children and everything. And obviously with children, like a lot of the travel is going to be happening in the summertime, our summertime, which basically for you would be wintertime. Is the winter there, is it pretty chilly or is it more temperate, like kind of like the San Diego weather you mentioned? Yeah, it's definitely more temperate. So it, it is never below freezing. That's the baseline. It's often can be quite pleasant, sunny, not cold days. I mean, it does rain and you'll get some, you know, some chillier days, but if you've got a decent coat, you'll be okay. It's a bit hit and miss, but you'll often get some just beautiful sunny days. We have like more sunshine hours than any other city in Australia. So if you're going to go somewhere in the Australian winter, Perth's a pretty good uh, spot to pick. Now, as far as uh, if people are planning their trip, are there certain festivals or different events that happen throughout the year that maybe somebody wants to plan their trip around that? Yeah, so I think the one of the best times to be here from a kind of a festival point of view is early in the year in February, February, March. We have uh, the Perth Festival. It's kind of an arts festival with all kinds of events happening. And at the same time, they run the Fringe Festival, which is, you know, the quirkier off-mainstream festival events. And both of those just really give great atmosphere to the city. You know, lots of things uh, happen in various parts of kind of the inner city area and, you know, great atmosphere, both for families and, you know, later on, if you want to get out into the nightlife, it's just a really lovely time with, you know, lots of, you know, really different events to get to, I think. So that's probably my favourite time to be in Perth. Yeah, and especially like, like you said, that's kind of right in that same like fall time frame where the weather's getting a little chillier or it's a little like not as hot anyways. And uh, it's more of that temperate weather, which uh, I think is kind of like that, that happy medium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe climate change, but it seems like our summers are getting a bit later and it can be hotter during that time. But, you know, you're out and about, especially in the evenings, it's really lovely to be out and about. So it kind of works out. Yeah. That's perfect. Let's take a step back for a second. Like I said, a lot of people, if they're flying, say, from the United States, they're going to fly into like Sydney or, or Cairns, even Melbourne, something like that. If we're going to fly from from the U.S. to Perth, how do we get there? So I think most commonly from the U.S., you'll actually still fly through one of those cities. So typically through Sydney and then hop across to Perth. So it's another about four to five hours between Sydney and Perth. 
there's lots of flights, international flights into Perth coming through Asia and the Middle East. So it might be that there's, you know, options through Asia down to Perth as well. Other than that, most commonly to the US from here, I would fly via Sydney and then up to the US. So. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it's really what you're looking to do with your, with your vacation. If you have maybe a couple of weeks, maybe you're going to fly through Asia, spend a little time there and check out some of those cities and then come on down. Or if you want to explore more of what's going on in Australia, you would hit up Melbourne or Sydney or something like that and then, then head on over to Perth, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great uh, sort of second stop after something else along the way. Perfect. Now, are there certain airlines that you'd recommend? So within Australia, most of those flights across would be either with Qantas or Virgin. And I think a lot of the US airlines that would fly from the US to Sydney or Melbourne are co-chairing with those. If you're going through Asia, then most of the Asian airlines are flying into Perth these days. If you're kind of going around the world from somewhere else, then the like Emirates, Etihad and so on are flying to Perth as well through the Middle East. So, yeah, but um, within Australia, Qantas or Virgin, I fly them both and they both seem to be equally reasonable most of the time. Okay, that sounds good. Now, once we get to the airport and getting into the city, is there public transportation? Uh, do we rent a car? Do we just take a taxi? What's the best way to get around from the airport to the city? Yeah, so soon they're actually finally building a train line from the airport into Perth. So soon there'll be a train, but it's not quite there yet. So at the moment, usually a taxi or a ride share. There's a bus, not great, better off probably getting into taxi or um, you know Uber or one of the other ride share companies we have here. That's the definitely the easiest way. And you know a lot of people will be staying in the CBD and that's um, kind of a half hour trip or so, so it's not too bad. Okay. Now, uh, like you mentioned Uber and you mentioned some other rideshare companies. Here in the US, it's primarily Uber and Lyft. Are there other rideshare companies that maybe aren't that familiar to the US that are operating there? Yeah, probably. We have some that have come down from Asia. So I often use Didi, D-I-D-I, or Ola, O-L-A. Okay, perfect. Yeah, well, we'll make sure we link to that. So when my wife and I went to Australia the first time, we made the mistake of, of not getting a visa ahead of time. And, and we were scrambling at the airport. So I, I believe it's still required to get a visa going into the going into Australia, right? Yeah. As far as I, can, as I understand, you can still apply online and it's still pretty automatic from, you know, if you have a US passport or European and so on. But yeah, I, I have had visitors uh, message me at the last minute when they're about <laughs> to board saying, oh, apparently I have to have a visa. So I always remind them now to check up on that for sure. Perfect. Well, we got that. And then from what I remember, as far as the exchange rate, I think some things were kind of expensive when we visited Australia. Some things were like surprisingly, you know, really inexpensive. I like to drink beer. And so beer and soda and stuff like that seem like way more expensive than the US. But then other things like steaks and, and other meals, I was surprised by how like how affordable they were. Oh, interesting. So it's a, it's a few years since I've been to the US, so I can't compare directly. But generally, our cost of living and cost of going out is relatively expensive. In Perth, it's a bit cheaper than Sydney. So if you're used to Sydney prices, then you'll be okay. But um, generally, eating out and drinking out is a bit pricier. For example, we don't have tipping, obviously. Well, not obviously, but we don't generally have tipping. So prices have to be higher to start with because they're paying um, all those wages. So, And we have had over the years quite a lot of times where we have a shortage of staff in hospitality and that drives up prices as well. So in, 
Western Australia here, we have a big mining industry in the north and a lot of people who work in hospitality go up and work in the mines where they can earn heaps of money. And so to be able to get any hospitality workers at restaurants and bars can sometimes uh, be a bit expensive. So all of those kind of things drive up prices. Plus, we're an isolated city, so even just getting supplies is another expense because we you know, often have to have things trucked across from Sydney and, you know, it's a three-day drive. So, yeah, so generally those sort of things, I think on the whole, are fairly pricey, certainly compared to other places in the world that I've travelled, but generally also really good quality. So it's not so bad. Yeah, it balances out a little bit. Now, as, as far as like when we're there, would you recommend people exchanging some currency or would it be just easier for them just to use their, their credit card for all their purchases? Yeah, credit card for sure. So um, I actually had to use cash just the other day for something and it was a real struggle to find any because <laughs> I haven't used it for a long time. So yeah, credit card, easy. Okay, perfect. And now as far as like when we're in Perth, are there certain areas of town that we should look at staying? Yeah, so you've got a couple of options. Relatively recently, in the last few years, there's been a big development on the... So Perth, the city centre itself, sits on the Swan River and at the waterfront on the river, there's um, a newish development called Elizabeth Quay. And there's some great hotels on Elizabeth Quay now. And obviously, you've got views across the river and it's a really lovely spot. And it's just a short walk, like a five minutes up into the, the CBD area. Uh, so that's one area, the Elizabeth Quay area. And then the other part that I like is Northbridge. And so that's, if you think of... Um, on the bottom, we've got Elizabeth Key, and then we go through the CBD, the Central Business District, where all the skyscraper office buildings and stuff are, and then a little bit higher up, and we get to Northbridge, which originally was, you know, home to all the nightclubs and pubs and bars and stuff, and in recent years, it's been kind of more connected to the business district. We've sunk the railway line and stuff, so it's kind of much more walkable, and there's some really lovely hotels in there too. So that's kind of got a different atmosphere to the riverfront version. Okay. Are there any like hotel brands that you recommend? Yeah. So down at Elizabeth Key, it depends on your budget really, but there's a, a Ritz-Carlton, which is a really like really lovely one. There's a Doubletree by Hilton also overlooking the river and the QT is nearby. In Northbridge, there's not so many of the bigger chains, but I really like the Alex Hotel is kind of a smaller one there in a really good location and just really quirky and nice. So yeah, I think those would be my main recommendations. Okay, cool. And then you mentioned earlier about just taking a taxi or using one of those ride-sharing services. When we're inside town there, is there a bus or public transportation or should we just stick with those ride shares or should we rent a car while we're there? So if you're mostly hanging around in the city, then definitely you don't need a car and it would be expensive to have one. Parking's expensive and stuff. And so the public transport system in Perth works pretty well if you're going within the city or from the city centre to somewhere else. It's more if you're going elsewhere, then it gets a bit sketchy. Within the actual city centre and to the kind of the nearby spots, sort of within 10 minutes drive, there are CAT buses. So C-A-T, Central Area Transit, I think, CAT anyway. Um, and so there's a few different routes. I think there's five or six CAT routes and they're free. So they're another great way to get around if you're going to, um, you know, to different parts of the city, then um, look up where the CAT buses go or, you know, you can see them on the side of the road and they're really handy as well. Well, perfect. I, I love me some free stuff, so that's good. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are some of the things that we should do while we're visiting Perth? I, obviously, you mentioned the, the incredible beaches. Uh, I don't know if you have a, a couple of recommendations as far as which beaches to hit. 
But other than, other than the beaches, what are some of the other things we should do? Okay, sure. So starting with the beaches, you really can't go wrong. All the beaches are amazing. But in terms of where tourists tend to go, then Cottesloe Beach is a popular one. You can easily reach Cottesloe Beach by train. So that's one of the reasons. And there's a few nice cafes there. So that's one. Scarborough Beach is really popular. And there's lots of restaurants and cafes near it as well. Or go down to Fremantle. So the kind of the port city part of Perth. And there's a, several beaches along there that are really lovely. But really anywhere, if you just drive west, hit the coast, park, walk, you'll find like a beautiful white beach. They're just endless. You can't go wrong. So that's the beaches. From uh, the CBD, if we're staying in that area, to the beaches, about how far would that be? 15, 20 minutes drive. 15, if you go straight. Yeah. So nice and close. And yeah, our beaches, honestly, I've lived and traveled in many parts of the world and nothing beats our beaches. I'm a bit biased, but they're really <laughs> gorgeous. So yeah. So if you've had enough of the beaches, then um, there's a bunch of other things. So it's not like a city, it's not like Sydney where you can see, oh, well, you know, of course you're going to go to the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. So it's not like the massively iconic things, but a few places that tourists generally go and I totally recommend. First of all, we have Kings Park. So it's a massive bushland and park area that overlooks the city centre. They say it's bigger than New York Central Park, even though it's right in the city centre. So it's pretty cool. And there's a few cafes up there. There's lots of walking trails, wildflowers, views over the city. So Kings Park is where I always take visitors. Other things in the city, relatively recently, a couple of years ago, we had a, a massive uh, refurbishment of our museum. So it's now called Bula Badip, which is the WA museum. And it's it's fabulous. It has lots of changing exhibitions, um, as well as some kind of standard Western Australian history. And it's just really, really beautifully done and amazing building. So Bula Badip is another spot. If you're into sports, then we have a nice new stadium, the Optus Stadium, which it's actually a really cool looking stadium. You can do a tour there. You might want to go and see some sports there. Is it like primarily like football? Not American football, but AFL? Yes. Yeah, okay. exactly. So in, in Western Australia, the main winter sport is AFL, so Australian rules football. Yes, that's a great place to catch an Aussie rules game or cricket in summer. So those are kind of the main sports that happen everywhere across Perth. But at that stadium, there's also nearby, there's um, a new bridge, the Matagarrup Bridge, which has a zip line and stuff. So there's kind of, it's an area where there's been a lot of development recently and a lot of um, kind of new cool things to do. I think there's, you know, kind of an abseil experience off the roof of the stadium and stuff like this. There's also, you know, there's just new things opening up there all the time. So that's another cool area. That sounds like a lot of fun. We mentioned Australian rules football. For those that aren't listening, I mean, they don't really know. That's more like a like more like rugby than it is more like a actual soccer that you'd find like in Europe. Yes, it's not a whole lot like rugby either, but it is more like that. So, and it has an oval shaped ball. So, yes, but it's a bit unique. It's a really entertaining game, and it's really the it's the sport within most of Australia. Certainly in Western Australia, it's very very popular. So, there's a national league. At, um, gets a lot of attention. So um, <laughs> I just want to clarify because a lot of, I know if Americans are listening and they hear football, they're thinking of the Raiders or the Rams or something like that. Uh, whereas like in, in if our European listeners or anybody else like that, they hear football, they're thinking soccer. And so obviously it's D, none of the above. 
So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> None of the above. Um, yeah, so to differentiate, we tend to call it Aussie rules. Yeah, it's really worth catching a game while you're here, I think. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to watch. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, what are some of the other things to do? I know there's something called the, the Fremantle Prison. What is that? Yes, that was my next list thing in my head was to take you down to Fremantle. So Fremantle's the port city. It's about 20 minutes, half an hour south of Perth, but directly on the coast. So it's where all the ships come in and leave from. And the Fremantle Prison is one of my favourite places to take people. So it's from kind of colonial times, you know, beautiful old building, but they've really done the tours in there beautifully. So I've been multiple times whenever I have visitors here and they have kind of daytime tours and they have night tours and they actually there's a tunnels tour so underground it was kind of dug out at one stage for water reasons but now they've got you can take like little boats under there and explore it's always an interesting tour whichever one you take they've got i think five or six different tours you can do there now and it's just a bit different and Fremantle itself is just a bit different as well it's a bit more arty a bit more quirky lots of really interesting things there the Fremantle markets are open on the weekends and it's always a good place to kind of have a browse good for souvenirs and food as well there's also the Maritime Museum in Fremantle if you're into anything to do with the water and sailing like we have the um um, America's Cup yacht that beat America famously in the 80s. That's housed in that yacht because that was a syndicate that came out of Perth. So, yeah, lots of kind of um, ocean-related stuff. And just generally having a wander around Fremantle is always enjoyable. That sounds really cool. Like It's like you've almost spent an entire day just exploring all the different things there, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or several even. It's a Yeah, it's a great place. You can even stay down there. There's quite a few good hotels in Fremantle as well. So, yeah. Now, I've I've heard of something called a I'm probably going to mispronounce it like a quokka. Haha, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you're pronouncing it correctly, a quokka. So, Rotnest Island is an island just off Perth. It's about it depends where you leave from. You can go from Fremantle by ferry or from further up. I live a bit further north of the city and from the Hillary's Boat Harbor, you can take ferries from both of those places. It's about half an hour to an hour ferry ride. Uh, so, Rotnest Island is a beautiful place. You know, you can cycle around it in a day. People take bikes there. There's no cars, so it's very calm. It was always the place where, you know, in my childhood, people would go there for a week for their kind of annual holiday with their family. And on this island, there are quokkas. So there's these little marsupials. They're kind of, well, actually, originally, the name Rotnest comes from Dutch explorers saw it and called it Rat's Nest because they thought these quokkas were rats. But they're much, much bigger than rats. And they're much, much cuter than rats. If you Google them, so Q-U-O-K-K-A, funny spelling, you'll find them. They're very cute, smiley looking animals. So they live only on Rotnest and a small part of southwest of Western Australia. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they've often used as kind of the symbol for Western Australia. So I'm going to have to look for a picture so I can include that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gorgeous. <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. Now, I know we're running out of time, but I, I don't want to miss out on talking about the food. I know when, when my wife and I went to Sydney and other areas of Australia, we got to enjoy some just kind of like quote original foods that uh, we didn't really have here in the, in the, in the U.S., uh, we got to try kangaroo, got to try crocodile, uh, some other things. Are there any certain like special foods or uh, unique foods that we'd find over there in Perth? So I have to tell you a secret that Australians generally don't eat kangaroo and crocodile. We save that for the tourists. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the joke's on us. The joke's on us. It's interesting. You know, the only time I've eaten either of those meats was in Germany at an Australian restaurant in Germany. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So what I think about Australia, what's special about Australian food is it's very, very multicultural. So, you know, we're really very highly populated by immigrants and some of my favourite restaurants in Perth are very kind of fusions of different cultures, foods. And of course, being near the beach, we have lots of great seafood as well. So I think any of those kind of combos are great. If you are in Perth and you want a special meal, then in the last few years, they opened up several restaurants in, I think it used to be the tax buildings, and now they're called the the state buildings right in the centre of Perth. So beautiful old buildings. And there's four now, I think, restaurants in there that each have kind of a different focus. There's an amazing Thai restaurant. So lots of, you know, we're not that far from Thailand. So we have a big influence from there um, called Long Chim or Petition is one of my favorites there. And Wildflower is another one. So in that kind of precinct, there's just some special different um, restaurants. Wildflower, for example, especially will use indigenous ingredients. So there's, you know, different kinds of berries or other kinds of um fruits and and things from native trees that until recently even we didn't really know you could eat or whatever and they're incorporated into different kinds of meals so that's you know one of my tips and the other thing is just grab some fish and chips and go to the beach like that's something we do a lot as well because there's fish and chips shops everywhere most of them are really delicious the fish is fresh Uh, they wrap it up in paper and you take it to the beach and it's just a quintessential kind of Perth thing to do. Oh, fantastic. Now, say if we're going to go out for exploring the city for for the day and everything, uh, we want to get our bellies full. Where would we go for a good breakfast? I think that in Perth, there are unique little coffee shops on every corner. So we don't have many chain coffee shops. You know, Starbucks tried to open here and nobody would go. So we have lots of little mum and dad kind of coffee shops and walk in anywhere and they will do you an amazing breakfast, usually with avocado on toast and poached eggs or something like that. One of my favourite spots, though, is a toasted sandwich place. I don't know if toasted sandwiches count for breakfast, but that's what I do if I'm in the city. And it's called Toast Face Griller, kind of almost like Gorilla, but Griller. So Toast Face Griller, is, there's two of them now, and that's my special tip for quirky, amazing toasted sandwiches. Oh, that sounds good. My wife loves those type of things, so uh, we'll definitely have so to put up. <laughs> uh, now, what about if, uh, say, we want a special treat, like maybe like a little candy or ice cream or something like that? So Perth is full of amazing ice cream places, I have to say, because we have a long, hot summer, so we need some ice cream. My favorite is in Northbridge. It's called Chicho Gelato, C-H-I-C-H-O. They started off as one of those little kind of van places that they'd pull up at markets and stuff, and then they were so good that they uh, opened a, a real store. So Chicho Gelato um, in Northbridge would be my number one pick, but actually there's just so many we have ice cream on every corner, especially during summer. So pick anything and you'll be happy. Often with really unique flavours. One of my favourite places nearer to me, so at the Hillary's Boat Harbour, which, you know, a lot of tourists do get to there. And if you're going to Rotnest, you can go from there. They have a pavlova flavoured ice cream. So pavlova is a traditional Australian meringue kind of dessert. We probably stole it from New Zealand, but anyway, it's still famous as Australian as well. And they have pavlova-flavored ice cream, and that's the the most delicious thing ever. Oh, wow. That that sounds amazing, especially just being able to try something that's kind of unique like that that you can't find anyplace else. Now, Amanda, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all these amazing tips for Perth. Now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Perth, where should they go and what should they eat? 
so i mentioned wildflower in the state buildings and i would send them there because the menu is forever changing. so they have a lot of tasting menus, so i can't recommend something specific but i would say the tasting menu of the season. and they do the seasons, they use the indigenous seasons, so our local indigenous here in australia don't recognise four seasons but six instead, you know which are kind of guided by the weather, and they have a tasting menu according to those indigenous seasons and yeah, really awesome food. so that's my tip. That sounds special because almost any time you go, you're going to be able to try something new. That's really Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always good. <laughs> now, you've lived in Perth for majority of your life. You must have some great stories. What's one of your most memorable? Oh, I have so, so many, but one popped into my head while we were chatting about um, the Fremantle Prison because it's a place that I've been many times. And uh, I uh, used to teach English here for a while and I would take students there, you know, as kind of a special day out. One time we went on the candlelight tour and I was, you know, had my, you know, kind of teenage, late teenage students there and I'm the teacher or I'm, you know, in charge. But we went on the candlelight tour and there's a few scary moments because, you know, they tell ghost stories and then a few scary things happened. And I'm, I'm ashamed to say I actually grabbed my student, one of my students who was near me because I was so scared. <laughs> So I think it's a testament to the Fremantle Prison that they do great tours, but I was a little embarrassed at that moment. That's okay. The, the good thing is that the students move on and you get a fresh yes. crop the next year and it's like it never happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now that I've immortalized it on your podcast though, but still. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, speaking of funny moments and everything else, uh, where's the happiest happy hour uh, in Perth? Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of happy hours. We love a, love a good drink, but one I've enjoyed recently is at Wolf Lane. Uh, it's kind of an alleyway bar in the city, in the centre of the city. I love a good cocktail, and so they have great cocktail happy hour specials. One of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Perth? So I have to say, I don't eat pepperoni pizza, so I'm hoping they have something like this at my favourite pizza place. But <laughs> there's one that I love to go to. It's a little bit out of the CBD, sort of 10-minute drive. It's called Neighbourhood Pizza in Mount Hawthorne. So it's a suburb, no, not far out of the centre. And it's one of those places where it's kind of at the back of, I think it's behind a supermarket, but it kind of almost feels like a big warehouse. But you just go in and it's really casual, but always popular, and they just have the best best pizza my favorite pizza i can't remember the name of it but it has like sweet potato like yam and maple syrup and other potatoes and it's like totally weird but totally amazing oh that sounds fantastic uh, i'm normally all about the pepperoni but my wife is all about trying new and unique things so well she'll be happy i can't guarantee the pepperoni sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's okay well we'll figure it out and we'll definitely enjoy it and have a good time now obviously uh with your podcast which we'll talk about in a minute you know a lot about travel as well, and you've been all over, all over these countries and, and lived all over the world, so I'm sure you picked up some great tips. Uh, what's your best travel tip? Yeah, so my best travel tip is to slow down. So I'm a massive proponent of slow travel. So rather than, you know, someone might want to come and see, you know, Sydney, Melbourne and Perth in two weeks, I would just come to see, stay in Perth for two weeks and maybe stay somewhere not in the city centre, but a little bit suburban, you know, in an Airbnb or something, get a feel for like the local area, get to know a regular coffee shop that you love going to and take it slow because I think you get so many interesting stories that way you know you might uh, strike up a friendship with the local who lives next door to you and you know find out some deeper thing about Perth life or you know lots and lots of things like that so um, especially when you're traveling with kids I've discovered as well that traveling more slowly 
makes it a lot more fun. We're always building extra time to go to the park and kick a ball around and that kind of stuff. So I think that's uh, slow travel is... I know that, especially coming from the States, you don't always have a lot of time to play with and it feels like a pressure to do and see as much as possible. But I always challenge people to just try one trip to not do everything and kind of take it slow instead. No, I, I'm definitely guilty of the uh, trying to cram 10 pounds of stuff into a five pound sack, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I get why people do it. But I always challenge them, try the other way and see how it goes. No, for sure. I'm, I'm trying to be better about that. Like just trying to be in the moment. Like you said, especially with kids, my kids are now seven and 11 and you know, you're going to blink and next thing you know, they're, they're off to college and everything like that. So you got to be able to slow down a little bit, enjoy those moments with them and, and just build those great memories. So Amanda, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. It's been great like hearing everything about Perth. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the host of the Thoughtful Travel podcast. It uh, is six years old already, so I've been doing it for quite a long time. And every episode we talk about a kind of a different thing. So for example, slow travel might be a topic. And I talk with uh, usually three different guests about each of those topics that always interesting stories and uh, something a bit different. So you can find the Thoughtful Travel podcast everywhere. And my website, which also has the show notes, is at notaballerina.com. And elsewhere, Instagram, Twitter, etc. I'm Amanda Kendall. Fantastic. We'll definitely include those uh, in the show notes. Now, if somebody has questions about, about your podcast, about Perth, or anything else we've talked about, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Oh, probably best through Instagram. I seem to spend much too much time there. So just find me at Amanda Kendall on Instagram and hit me up with any questions. Well, I can definitely attest to you spending a lot of time on Instagram because that's how we got connected. And I reached out to you and said, hey, uh, somebody (laughs) from Perth, fantastic. Let's get you on the show. Let's talk about it. So, But uh, again, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate everything. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Absolutely. I look forward to meeting you. What an awesome conversation with Amanda. Every time I hear an Australian accent, I think of cuddly koalas and wombats. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Perth. We want to say thank you to Award Wallet for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Award Wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit London, England this week with my good friend Josh Simon of twopassports.co.uk. In this episode, Josh and I talk about visiting Buckingham Palace, attending Christmas markets throughout the city, and touring Clink Prison, the oldest jail in London. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 